Hello, listener. It feels like I've been gone for some time, but in fact, I've pretty much been gone for a month. It's Sunday. You're listening to FabRadioInternational.com, or possibly the Starburst family of podcasts. And I'm your host, Ed Fortune. And it's just me and producer Al today. Hello! Because it's Easter and we're chilling out like Easter Scoobies and having an Easter day. Well, there's a lot of news to be getting through, so coming up next, we're going to be talking about all sorts of news bookie things. If you're listening to us live, we'd love to hear from you right now we're on Radio Bookworm on Twitter, we're on Radio Bookworm on Facebook, we're on Radio Bookworm on Tumblr. If you have an owl, then you can contact our owl called Radio Bookworm. Um, same with Whispering Trees, same with any other form of uh, fictional communication you might have. Uh, our ravens on holiday, however. Um, so that's the social media stuff gotten out of the way. Also, you know, if you're listening to us on iTunes, it really does help us out if you subscribe and comment. Anywho, all of that nonsense out of the way, let's talk about boot news. It's been fairly quiet. Um, then again. Then again, no, really, it hasn't. Okay, so, uh, if you listened in a little while ago, you'll have heard that we did a very short tribute to Terry Pratchett, who passed away recently. We intend to do a longer tribute show, though, or next week's show will be a Terry Pratchett tribute show. Um, we don't have to tell you that Terry Pratchett has passed away, you already know. Um... Other news, now Ready Player One is being adapted to into a movie, uh, Any Klein Science Fiction Treasure Hunt Hill, set in, it's basically a cross between Snow Crash and Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It's all it's all set in the, the magical world of online things, it's set in the far future, it's 2044, everyone plays a video game made by a company called Oasis, uh, a crazy, crazy millionaire, billionaire even, has hidden an Easter egg. If you find an Easter egg, you get to own the company. And this young chap has realised they're all 80s pop culture references. So we it's kind of never going to give you up. Yes, exactly. So so off he goes for uh, on on an, a remarkable adventure. Is the short version. Mm-hmm. It, it's back, ladies and gentlemen. Amazon are negotiations with a major publisher. Amazon and Hachette maybe not so in love. Amazon and Shetty, well, they're still in love. Oh, third, HarperCollins has turned up. So you have to begin with a H. Yes, well, <laughs> Amazon clearly has a type. Yeah, <laughs> and its publishers. And it's Did we not predict this last year when the Amazon Hachette thing? was ongoing did we not basically say the industry insider talk is basically Hachette is the first one to come up for renewal this is going to be happening a lot over the next few years yes and lo and what's that coming over the hill it's another pointless dispute uh, indeed, and of course, keep sending us in that fan fiction mm. about Shetty and Amazon. So, so which HarperCollins authors that we've heard of is this going to affect negatively? Uh, we'll find out, mm. but there's an awful lot of them. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're a huge publisher, aren't they? 
Um, they, they do an awful lot of genre stuff as well. Um, oddly enough, we're going to be reviewing shortly some HarperCollins' stuff very soon on the show. So yes, lots. It's a short version. 2008 has closed its submissions window. It uh, will reopen in September. That's if you want to write a feature shock. That's a short uh, piece of sequential art script um, to, uh, to 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 excite and entice, shall we say. Um, John Wyndham, uh, creator of uh, Dave Trifford, has had a street named after him. Uh, it will be called Trifford Alley. It features in the book. That's kind of cool. When we say it features in the book, are we saying that the, the street that he is he geographically picked has been changed to his name or something? How does that it's work? It's going to be called Trifford Alley. Um, in in the novel, he describes a alley that he runs down, and it's basically the, this this historian has gone. That's got to be that alley because that's where he lived. Uh, so has he confirmed the, that, or is, is he no longer involved? Well, well, John Wyndham's passed away. Oh, okay, right, so. sorry. So, so it's he doesn't have a blue plaque though. So this, uh, is, this, is, the, this is the first step to a blue plaque. He invented Day of the Triffids. He created Chucky. He should have a blue plaque. <laughs> you know, he should have a blue plaque. He's awesome. Um, Winds of Winter, Winds of Winter is coming. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, it'll eventually come. Uh, he's also apparently George Orwell Martin is also working on a sci-fi movie script thing going on there as well. In a, in a different world? A different world, yes. I, I don't think it's going to be a futuristic follow-on from the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones in space. Oh man, like Lannister spaceships made out of gold and stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and Lannister the, always pays their debts. Like lots, lots of fighter ships described as the wolf pack and that's the Starks. Or maybe they all fly around in powered armour, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> In uh, space, no one can hear you grot your enemies. Exactly. Um, Woodhouse Comic Fiction shortlist announced uh, the 2015 Bollinger Everyman Woodhouse Prize. That is the most upper-middle-class thing I've ever heard of. Um, is it sponsored by Ocado? Uh, <laughs> well, well, Bollinger. Oh, so, well, that is very middle-class, yes. So, so uh, yes. Bollinger, Ocado and Waitrose presents. Uh, has been announced. Uh, it's, it's Christopher Brookmeyer, it's Will Self, it's Caitlin Moran. Uh, I'm still angry with her over the Sherlock fanfic. Yes, well, um, as that's the show's resident fanfic expert, I'm still angry about that. The awards we really care about, the Tip Tree Awards, we'll talk about later. Later, when um, we've all calmed down slightly. Is there another award ceremony that was in there? Oh yeah, the Hugo's. We apologise now if Ed swears during this bit. We have had him locked in a damp cellar overnight to try and get the rage out. It's probably failed. Okay, so a little while ago on the show, we talked about the sad puppies. Aww. Now the sad puppies were a bunch of or a bunch of right wing middle class men, um, mostly into military SF, mostly well, no, entirely conservative. And it would be a horrendous cliche, absolutely horrendous cliche, to typify them and lump them in with the Gamergate movement. But let's do that. Uh, because they they share a lot in common. Um, they uh, the, the reason they're called the sad puppies is because they call the the, the, the full thing is, oh your your, your opinions on, on social fairness makes the puppies sad. You've just given me that look. It's that sort of person. It's good for radio. Yeah. Uh, essentially, Jeremy Clarkson and Chums. Though Jeremy Clarkson is not involved in this. But it's that sort of Daily Mail reading, kind of conservative, kind of self-interest, special interest group, style of people. Now, I am I am a kind of 
simplifying this because it's actually quite big. But sad puppies, broadly right wing, they would describe themselves, I think, mostly as libertarian and as a sort of a people. Um, I have to admit, gentle listener, not my kind of people at all. Um, I, I'm I'm much much more expressive. I just want people to get on and live and let live and read really cool sci-fi. These guys got together, and I say guys because it's mostly guys. These guys got together and block voted the Hugos. They did this because last year, um, friends of uh, an author, typified friends of an author known as John Scalzi, and that kind of uh, a slightly more liberal block of people got together. And they all, you know, they all kind kind of campaigned for various authors. Last year's Hugo Awards winners list was a glorious collection of really good fiction that I hadn't heard of. There were one or two things that I was just sitting there going, "Yeah, it's a little bit too wet for me. Yeah, it's a little bit too boring for me." Some of the some of the the some of the uh, novelette and, and smaller sections, I was like, "Yeah." Cameron Hurley got an award for uh, essentially ranting. I like Cameron Hurley's fiction, her her ranting blog stuff less so, but she got an award for it anyway because she'd made some brilliant points all of that it was a really progressive really interesting list of winners um and there was a there was a, a nicely diverse selection of people that you could nominate for there was a you know, last year's 2014 list kind of broad lots of stuff to look at the hugo winners packet the hugo's hugo waters packet if you're voting for the hugo awards they send you a packet of three books that you can read and you know you read them and you go, oh, these are shiny. I've never heard of this author. And then you make your vote. That's kind of cool. What the sad puppies have done is they have dominated the Hugos with uh, with stuff from their friends. Essentially, short short stuff that isn't terribly popular for a good reason. Isn't very well known for a good reason. It's not that this stuff is military SF. It's not that this stuff is right wing. It's that this stuff is bad. Uh, it's just it's it, it's essentially what's happened is a bunch of people with a very specialised interest and a very specialised take on the world have dominated uh, an award ceremony meant for everyone and that this has really kind of closed down your options so now luckily Best Novel hasn't been terribly affected by this Best Novel which is the big award in the Hugos it's the one that everyone cares about that's fairly diverse you know it always it's always going to be because everyone wants to do something with best novel so we've got some great stuff we've got you know Kevin J Anderson Up Between the Stars we've got The Goblin Emperor we've got Ancillary Sword by Anne Leckie she wrote the show on last year Jim Butcher who will be on the show shortly because we've got an interview with him Skin Game Lens of the Part by, by Marco Clouse is the only one I don't know of that entire list I know the rest of them I've read the rest of them actually um, great list, interesting list. Then we get to this. Then we get to the best novella, best novelette, uh, and short story. And there's a lot from Castilia House, which are uh, which is controlled by a chap called Vox Day. You might know Vox Day. He's a right wing noisemaker, um, and a chap called John C. Wright. You might know John C. Wright. He's a right wing noisemaker. John C. Wright thinks uh, John C. Wright blew up and exploded over the end of Legends of Korra. I should explain this if you don't know kids kids TV. Big big show called Legend of Korra. At the very end, the very very end, the end of the show, the main female character and one of the main female supporting cast walked off the stage holding hands because they loved each other. That's just sweet. 
This guy thought it was awful, thought that he was having an agenda shoved down his throat. I mean, seriously, get real. The show itself, Legend of Korra, the show itself, just a kid's adventure action show. They did the sweet thing at the end about these two characters, because it kind of made sense. We can debate about that, you know, on, on the Facebooks and on the Twitters if you want. But, you know, it was kind of end. It wasn't, it absolutely wasn't worthy of exploding the way that he exploded. Oh, my giddy aunt. So, and this guy is all over the best novella. He's all over the best novelette. He's all over the best short story. And even if you're saying, Ed, Ed, but that doesn't matter. Is he a good, is he a good writer? Seek out some Castelia stuff and judge for yourself. But you're going to be sorely disappointed. I predict you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, what else is going on? We've got a whole load of absolutely just... Should we, should we, should we mention the fact that there is already a lot of people saying that they're going to vote for Noah Ward, apart yeah. from in Best Novel? This guy called Noah Ward, apparently. Noah, N-O-A-H, Ward. He sounds like a talented chap. Uh, shall we explain how Noah Ward works? Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's, it's a runoff vote. So when you vote for your Hugo ballot, you get a runoff vote. What you can what you can kind of do is you can kind of put them in order of what you want to win, or you can put a thing that says no award, which means you don't want anyone to win, or you can just put the one book that you think does should do quite well. Because last year I believe um, several things were beaten by no award. Several several things, but there was still a winner at the end. Yeah, there was. Um, if you put no award at the top, that's that's a different sort. Yes, of different thing. sort of thing. Um, so the things that have the things that have kind of weathered this reasonably well. Um, the the movie selections, though no 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 award for Build the Galactic Hero, which disappointed me. But then Build the Galactic Hero is quite left wing. So there we go. Uh, no awards for that. Um, yeah. Um, so so yes, uh, dramatic presentation and short form. They've done quite well. Doctor Who's up for an award. Captain America's up for an award. Edge of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar for some reason. The Lego Movie. They're all fine. Comic books as well, with the exception of the Zombie Nation. Which no, uh, but the rest of it, Rat Queen, Saga, Sex Criminals, Ms. Marvel, they're all, all up for awards, and that sounds fine. That's you know, that's a nice diverse list, lots of stuff there. Best related work, The Hot Equations, Thermodynamics and Military SF. Ugh, no, go away. Um, Wisdom from my internet, Michael Z. Williamson. I'm gonna make sick noises now. Oh, come on. Um, uh, I, I don't care, I, I honestly, I do so yeah, a lot of these are going to look like they're going to be no award. So, if you care about the Hugo Awards, and there's no reason why you would, um, you can still vote for the Hugo Awards. You need to be a supporting member or an attending member of Sasquon. Sasquon is in the states. A lot of Worldcon is in the states. A lot of the Hugo Awards is dominated by the American audience because it started in the American uh, the American audience, and it's been running for seventy years. I would say, one of the things that I would say about Worldcon in general is, it needs to do the following things. It needs to stop thinking that it's some sort of specialist magical niche thing. Because a lot of the attendees are ageing, they're older, and they remember a time when science fiction and fantasy was a niche. It's not a niche anymore, people. It's a multi-million dollar industry. It's a huge thing. I, I get employed for doing 
sci-fi reviews and fantasy reviews it's an industry it's a job people go to work to do this sort of thing and there's thousands of us we won we won the battle of the playground us geeks we won get that into your heads you're not it's not a niche specialism and for the hugo awards to remain relevant you need to open yourselves up to the larger crowd how do you do this well you need to change the way that the hugo awards work and I'm sorry to say, and I know that some people are like, oh, but but my backyard is going to be full of all sorts of different people. I, I don't care. Let them in. Let these new, exciting young people into your world. So, currently, if you want to vote on the Hugo Awards, you have to either be a supporting member for Sasquon or you have to be attending Sasquon. Most of our listeners will not be attending Sasquon because it's in the United States and they can't get the time off work and they can't get a plane. Also, they're not rich. Sorry, I mean, if you are rich, then wonderful, let me know. Uh, I could do it for Fiverr. Um, anyway, most people um, will not be able to attend Spokane, but you can still vote in the Hugo Awards if you wish. You pay the money for a supporting membership, you'll get a Hugo Winners Packet. You won- Sorry, a Hugo Voters Packet, you lucky people. That's a packet of all the stuff that's currently been nominated. Hooray! Um, and then you can vote, and you can vote any way you want for, you know, you, you order it. You can also vote for site selection, that's when there's another event. So the next set of site selections are for 2017, for the 2015 event, they're always two years ahead. Um, if you want it to come to Europe, you have the option of Helsinki. Helsinki looks awesome, by the way, we're big fans of Helsinki. But that's a different process that we'll talk about on a different show. Um, personally, and I know we've descended into the realms of ranting here... Personally, if I was if I if I wanted to try and fix the Hugo Awards to make them more relevant, this is what I would do. I would um, drop drop the cost of supporting membership for the 2016 and 2017 and future events to ten dollars. So if you want to be involved, it's ten dollars to be a supporting member. If you want to turn up to the actual Worldcon and you should experience Worldcon at least once in your life, because they are awesome. Um, then you know you pay the normal ticket. If you just want to be involved in the kind of the organisation side, or you happen to be in the wrong part of the world, it is called Worldcon. You should be able to access it. I would say ten dollars. The other thing is that because heroes have such influence, because publishers know they have such influence, publishers will probably want to promote their stuff. So what you do is this: you have your Hugo Voters Packet, which is full of books that have been nominated. And you just turn out the publishers and say, "Is there anything else that you'd like to give away digitally to our to our supporters?" And then that way you pay ten dollars, and then you get a bunch of free stuff from publishers. I think this is. I, I don't know if you agree. Yeah. I think this. Is, I think that would work as an idea as mm. a way of getting people into the Hugo Awards and into the fandom. You know, people who are already reading sci-fi books, who are already love fantasy, who already love horror, who already love this kind of this, this whole wacky world of genre, but just aren't part of the niche interests that are the Hugo Awards and Worldcon to make it relevant. Because it is very niche. I mean, the the, the one one of the things they do publish at this stage is the number of votes they had in any one particular category. And it's not a high number. It's not. It's in any category. It, it's not. And it, it need, this needs to change. They need to adapt with the madding crowd. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to let people in. And at the moment, the reason you're going to get the reason you're going to get block voting and the reason you're going to get people blocks fighting over blocks, and it's going to it's going to kill the awards over time. It's going to kill the awards as you squabble between each other. It's because you've got so few people that it just makes sense to create blocks. If it was, if it was. Thousands of people. We've got a couple of thousand at the most. 
Um, I think I'm having a quick look at um, at the uh, official website now, and it looks like the biggest one was Best Novel, which got 1,827 nominating ballots. That's tiny. How many people were at Longcon last year? 10,000. Yep. People are just not engaged. Nope. Um, not engaged in the slightest. I mean, obviously, oh, by the by, total aside, uh, Emma Newman, Pete Newman, congratulations yeah. on getting nominated for Best Fan Cast. Uh, you guys totally deserve to win that, by the way, uh, because Tea and Jeopardy is a fantastic show. You can tell Nymphus not in the room because Nymphus people are like, what for us? <laughs> you know what? We, we'd love to. At some point, if we if we deserve it, we'd love to, to win something. That'd be lovely. Um, but if you listen to Tea and Jeopardy, oh my goodness, isn't that? It's just like a warm hug of a show. <laughs> Okay, so it's time for a big review, and um, let's talk about The Scholar Gospels by Clive Barker. Okay, I'm a big fan of Clive Barker, and I'm a big fan of his earlier work. Clive produced some of the stuff that informed my child, not my childhood, but my teenagehood horror reading days, which gives you a rough idea of how old I am. And I absolutely adored stuff like The Books of Blood. Uh, Weave World was the first book that I finished reading immediately turned the first page again and started reading again just just reread it from cover to cover immediately um absolutely adore weave world quite like dimajike quite like the great and too good show some of his other stuff less so um really liked everville as well so ever fans of everville might be familiar with one of clive barker's ongoing characters called harry damore how Demore is an occult detective. He's covered in tattoos that award him against evil. And he's a he's a hero of light, sort of. You know, he runs around trying not to get horribly killed by monsters and demons and ghosts and all sorts of hideous things that, that lurk in the world of Clive Barker. The other thing that lurks in the world of Clive Barker, Pinhead and the Xenobites. That's not a goth rock group that's a series of demons that rather than you know just being red skinned and having tentacles and horns they're, they're all about torture they're all about uh, enticing you with the idea of pleasure and the idea of control and domination but it's all about slavery and control they are they are monsters they're, they're creatures from hell the, the xenobites they have such sights to show you and they're not things that you want to see they, they are about subjugation and destruction of self they're also incredibly bloody, horrific, fug creatures. The Scarlet Gospels is Harry Damore versus Pinhead. If you've seen horror movies from the 80s, you'll know what Pinhead is. You might be familiar with Doug Bradley's kind of very English tones where he goes, we have such sights to show you. I can't do the voice, I really can't. But... You know, you know, kind of, kind of slick fetish monster is the, the best way to describe it. Um, the 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 pinhead from Hellbound Heart and from uh, from Clive Barker's world is less of it, less of that, and more of a zealot thug from hell. It's a horrible, horrible creature with nails shoved into its face that comes to you and you you dives you into a world of excess and horror. Short version: Clive Barker is back. Kai Barker has this is this is a return to form. I understand that the original book, this book, took a while to come out because it's been edited and re-edited and re-edited. You can tell. You can tell that this has been cut down to the quick almost. It's three hundred pages. It took me a day to read. I I devoured it. I actually made the the horrendous mistake of reading it before bed, which was a terrible idea because it gave me nightmares. 
Ooh, uh, that, that's, that's quite something. That is quite something. It's it's bloody. It's very very bloody. It's 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 it drenched drenched in blood. The way that the books of blood are. Uh, the descriptions are hotly graphic. Um, uh, you know, vilely graphic, almost pornographic in places. Um, there's a there's a lot of ah uh, you know there's there's a lot of stuff that you just sit there and you go oh oh that's that's and part of me was sitting there going do you know what Clyde Barker still has it so he still has the ability to completely repulse me and yeah he's kind of going for the, the hot buttons and he's kind of you know jumping up and down gleefully on them and it's kind of gross and it's you know it's kind of obvious but sometimes you just want the gross out Some, sometimes you just want the splatter gore splattered death fest and this is what this is and it starts off there's great there's a, there's a great scene where Harry Demore is investigating something fairly dodgy a friend of his has asked to, to sort this out and, and he sees he knows what a puzzle box is these puzzle boxes are devices if you're familiar with the movies you might know they're they're innate de- devices designed to um, summon demons and he looks at it and he goes ah, I'm not touching that oh actually and he gives it a brush because that's what it's all about they they, 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 they lure you in and it occurred to me at that point that the, the puzzle boxes are not these not these complicated puzzles that you, you unlock to you know insult your droid into to a world of hell no they're, they're, they're hand grenades they're holy hand grenades or unholy hand grenades that, that cause demons to turn up so demons can cause chaos that's what that's for it's a totally obviously a trap he falls for it because it's a powerful demonic artifact um, and this leads him into conflict with Pinhead who's been after Harry for some time Pinhead has a plan Pinhead also has a different name but you learn that if you read the book it's, 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 it's a reward for wading through the, the, the buckets of blood that's in this book and other things as well but mostly blood um, and you know, it ends. Well, it doesn't end, but about halfway through, you you end up in hell. The 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 character ends up in hell. Pinhead ends up in hell, and we see just you know this this dark horror. At which point, Clive Barker def- descends into whimsy. He's good at whimsy. He's good at kind of you know creating these elaborate worlds. He's created you know, the weave world, quiddity stuff that he's created in the past. These he, he creates these wonderfully descriptive ideas and places. Clive Barker's hell is hell. Oh my goodness. This it's a cracking horror novel. Now, you can see that there's bits that have been cut out. There's plot threads that are dangling. Um because he's cut the book down to half. That's great. That's absolutely fantastic. I'd much rather read four three hundred word novels than one 1,600 word novel because a novel has a beginning a middle and an end and I can put it down and I can go to the next one I'd, much, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see more of this I'd love to see more of this at this length at this pace at this, this design and at this level of disgusting gross horror I was thoroughly entertained and I'd forgotten how much I enjoy the, the, the really nasty and it is nasty well, I, I've forgotten how much fun it can be. So, yes, if you have a weak stomach, don't bother. If you don't like horror, this is totally not for you. 
if you know who Pinhead is already, you've probably already pre-ordered it, let's be honest. Uh, it's a return to form for Clive Barker. I'm delighted to say it's a return to form for, for Clive Barker. Um, yeah, Scarlet Gospels, man. Um, by Clive Barker. It's out May the 19th, so you're going to have to wait, but you can pop it on Amazon. I believe there is a sample you can read. You can pop it on Amazon. The buzz is good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Check it out, seriously. Um, he, he's back, baby, Clive Barker. The, 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 this, this very particular master of horror has returned. Um, I think coming up next we have all sorts of really cracking stuff. Um, an interview. We have an interview. In fact, we have an interview with Jim Butcher. But we'll talk about that more in a moment. So we had a couple of technical problems with uh, our interview with Jim Butcher. Um, there's a couple of bits and pieces. The, the sound quality is okay. We were hoping to bring this to you earlier, uh, but we've had to clean it up slightly. So um, apologies if you have uh, a slight difficulty with the file. Uh, we talked to him just before he got to the UK, so uh, we'll have a bit of a banter. Um, this is a slightly different different format as well um, because this is a, this is this is my normal interview. Que- this is not my normal interview questions. Um, a little bit more kind of hey hello um so we have a bit of a, a gossip um it's a lot of fun um the ladies and gentlemen creator of the the dressen kodak creator of the creator of the Oliver books jim butcher this is fab radio international jim butcher welcome to the program thank you very much can you tell us about Aeronauts Wonderlass? Oh, about the Aeronauts Wonderlass. Yes, please. Um, it is it is the first uh, series in a book called or the first book in a series called The Fender Spires. Um, uh, it is a a steampunk flavored series, although it's probably not uh, uh, steampunk in the traditional sense. Um, uh, I'm mixing. I, I'm, I I started off trying to write a steampunk, but I wound up mixing up all these elements of of, of fantasy and, and science fiction and and uh, a little bit of uh, a, a naval battle and and uh, basically. I was just grabbing pieces from all over and, and making what made me happy, and then I, I wound up with this big mess of things again, like I did with the Dresden file. So, uh, for the hardcore steampunk fans, I apologize for that. But uh, all in all, uh, though, I think we've got. Um, I, I wanted to call it a steam opera, and my editor informed me that I was not allowed to create new genres, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's a fairly sharp departure for Dex work and Dresden files. What was the appeal? Um, when I sat down and started writing it, I, I wanted to write something that was that was going to be different. I, I do want to write kind of a Tolkien-esque epic fantasy one day, but I don't think I'm, I'm a good enough writer to do it the way I want to do it yet. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm doing something else, and I'm going to continue trying to to, uh, to grow my skills and, and eventually be good enough to write my, my super-duper epic fantasy. Um, but meanwhile, uh, uh, I was trying several different projects out. Uh, I've got a group um, uh, of beta readers that I call the Beta Asylum because you've got to be a little bit crazy to be doing that. And uh, uh, so I was testing... Um, the new project on the data asylum, see uh, how they reacted, you know, what kind of reaction I got from those guys, uh, because they've been, uh, uh, they're a very reliable crew in terms of, of, of how well my audience reacted. And uh, the the Sanders Flyers, the, the story that I started writing there was something that resonated with them very strongly and that they, they really liked, liked and got behind. And uh, 
it was one of, I think, about four different projects I tried uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, and, and they liked it a lot. And so I said, okay, let's, let's do it. Uh, um, and I started uh, putting together the world in a little bit more depth and figuring out my story, and, and um, you know, and that was basically how it, how it came about. I mean, it, it is very different from the Dresden Files, although I don't think it's, I don't think it's super different from Alara in terms of, of how it's going to feel, how it's going to be, uh, how, how you'll experience it once you get inside. Um, I think one of the main differences from Alara is is that the Alara books could take place over uh, a kind of a longer span of time. Uh, the Dresden Files are always focused on, you know, what's the what's the worst what's the worst. Uh, basically, I stop and think, what's the worst weekend that Harry Dresden's going to have this year? And that's the story I tell is, is that weekend. Um, but uh, uh, for this one, I think the story is a little bit more compressed than the Alara books are. Uh, I think it all happens over the course of a couple of weeks, and uh, so I think the pace is going to be a little bit faster, a little bit more like the Dresden Files. Uh, but hopefully, the feel of the story is a little bit more like Alara. So we'll, we'll see if it works. Uh, what have you got planned next for Codex Alira? Are we going to see any more? Um, I don't have anything on the drawing board right now, uh, which is not to say that I've, I've ruled out the idea of ever going back there, because I, I think that there's uh, still some very good stories that could be told there. Um, I kind of got done with what I wanted to do, uh, but that's not to say that I won't go back in the future, you know, if I need to pay off my gambling debts or something, should I ever start gambling. Um, uh, uh, but, but... It isn't something that, I mean, I did what I wanted to do there. I could go back, so I think there'd be some really fun stories uh, that could be worked in. Uh, I think the first class of cursors under the new uh, under the new First Lord uh, would be really interesting to write, because it would be the first Canaan cursor and the first Marat cursor and so on. Uh, and so we, we kind of have this, you know, this junior crew of, of, of uh, very diverse and likely to tear each other's throats out sorts of cursors, and that would be a lot of fun to write about. What fresh torches do you have set up for Harry Dresden? <laughs> oh, well, the next book I thought I would be a departure from my normal thing. It's called Peace Talks, and um, uh, basically all the supernatural nations are going to come together for a peace conference in, in, in Chicago and try and work out their differences, and uh, I'm sure that they'll that, you know, I mean, it, it, they'll, they'll have a nice dinner and, and uh, you know, they'll, 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 they'll have some, you know, they'll have some brandy and some tea afterwards and, uh, you know, perhaps they'll sing Kumbaya and everyone will get along just fine and I'm sure that nothing will explode or catch on fire. <laughs> so. Plus, Harry is, uh, uh, when we get started in the new book, Harry is busy uh, uh, with his kind of, his opening weeks of experience as a, as a dad uh, uh, to his daughter. Um, so there's going to be, there's going to be a new, uh, he's going to have to reach some, find some kind of new equilibrium between, uh, you know, his, his standard, uh, insanity and, and, and actually trying to be a father figure to Maddie. Um, uh, and also, you know, the, the little, the, the new little skull that, that he's got going after the end of the last book, uh, who is really virtually a, a, another child, uh, to take care of, only one that can, uh, do all kinds of horribly powerful things eventually, so. balance for him. Uh, uh, plus, he's, I mean, he's already in trouble basically from the very beginning. Uh, 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 the White Council has shown up and has asked him to, to be on security because the senior council is going to be there. And they're like, wait a minute, nobody in the White Council trusts me anymore. That's why they weren't there trying to keep me this close. I know how people think. Oh, no. And uh, uh, so that's basically uh, uh, kind of, he's being faced with a lot of the repercussions of the kind of a long-term fallout of the choices that he's made over the last several books uh, with regards to the White Council and, and the other supernatural nations. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be in all kinds of...
kinds of trouble with the council, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get to shake some of that out this book and see what happens. How likely are we to see an adventure with not Hammy but set in the same world? seems to be into geeky things. How, how how does that figure into when you create the character? Oh, um, oh God, I don't know. I was just doing the character. I mean, I wanted Harry to be, when I made him, I wanted him to be kind of every geek. Um, and and I, I'm a giant nerd myself. I will fly my nerd flag next to anyone. Uh, I, I'm one of those nerds that gets dressed up in costume and goes out on the weekends and hits people with, with nerd swords. Uh, you know, I run around the woods and... and, and, and Throwing beanbags at people and screaming lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Um, but uh, uh, as far as, as I mean, it hasn't really changed what I do. Um, uh, I, I think that maybe it, it has it has created a, a kind of a wider access, a bigger audience, uh, uh, possibly that might enjoy the story. Um, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what it's like to grow up as a nerd in, in a world where nerds are more popular. Uh, it, it really seems uh, it, it seems confusing to me. I'm much more used to the world where nerds grew up and got picked on by all the all the athletes. And uh, I don't know, maybe they still get picked on by athletes. I'm not sure. Are you likely to catch a UK lab? Um That might be really fun. Uh, although I, I feel like maybe I wouldn't be hardcore enough uh, for the larks that, that, that go off in the UK and, and, and in Europe. Because um, uh, I've seen the pictures, and some of those guys are, are intense. Uh, uh, so I don't know. Uh, that would be a lot of fun to do, though. Um, this is actually the first time I've, I've, I've gotten to visit uh, uh, the UK. The first time I've gotten to visit uh, Europe. I'm actually I'm, I'm going to go over to, to, to Sweden for a couple of days um, and do some signings there. But uh, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I like going places and LARPing. And the best part about LARPing, I mean, the most fun when you LARP is when you go LARP with a bunch of people that you don't know that you've never met before. Uh, because then you don't know, you know, it, it, when you're playing with people you know all the time, you always know, okay, well, this guy is playing the giant bad guy, but I don't actually have to be afraid of him because I'm a better sword fighter. Uh, or this guy's playing goblin number two, but I know that he can whip me, uh, you know, to three, three or four to one in, 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 in terms of, of actual sword, sword ability. And uh, so now I've got to be super careful of random goblin number two. Um, but when you go off to a new place, you don't know any of that. And, and so it's, it's, it's that much more of an unknown and that much more adventure. That would be a lot of fun, 
is your next big project? What is your next big plan? Um, right now, I am working on uh, peace talks, and that is my that is getting my focus. And I'm, I'm finishing up the editing on uh, uh, the first book of the year, Not Limitless. Um, I've got a three book deal on that, uh, so I'm going to be the next few years for me are going to be going back and forth between uh, uh, the Dresden Files and and uh, the Steampunk series, and uh, which I I'm looking forward to kind of getting back into that rhythm because that was that was very good for me when I was doing that. Um, uh, I'm also I'm going to be turning out the the next collection of uh, 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 Dresden short stories. I think I'm going to do that at some point next year. I hope. Um, and uh, other than that, we'll, we'll see. There's there's more interest uh, uh, from Hollywood. We'll see if it pans out. Um, but Hollywood is one of those places that you can never really, you're never sure about anything until the check is cleared. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, even getting the check is not quite assurance enough. you got to make sure that it clears the bank first. We'll see if anything happens there. I understand there's a, a limit to what you can tell me, but um, is it how many that they're interested or in, or is it a, what if, is it your uh, Codex Oliva? Uh, it's the Dresden Files, uh, uh, and, and you know, right now uh, the Dresden Files is under auction. There, there are, are talks underway. Um, uh, I would, I would really love to see the Dresden Files done as a kind of a feature production series, uh, um, something like that you've seen with, with Game of Thrones or or, or one of the other uh, series. I, I would love to see it. Uh, maybe on Netflix, uh, they have done some really, really good work with all the series they've produced. Um, but I, I, we don't know if anything's going to happen at this point. Um, uh, but I, I mean, that's where I would really love to see it go. Uh, we'll see if that's kind of what happens or not. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I, I'm pretty sure sci-fi won't want to play with it anymore, though. So uh, that, that, that much at least seems certain. Um, are we likely to see um, any of your work in other media, not just not just movies, but video games, games, com- I mean, the comic books at the moment, it's rather fun? Uh, well, I mean, the Dresden Files are still going strong uh, in, in comics, and uh, they're doing fairly well. Um, I've actually had some interest in, in if I wanted to do uh, having have Harry Dresden do any crossover with some of the other uh, properties that Dynamite works with. Uh, so they're, they're like, oh, we should totally do a Harry Dresden Vampirella crossover. And I'm like, oh, that that would end so horribly for Harry Dresden. I'm, I'm certain it would. Uh, but uh, so so I mean, there's 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 that kind of possibility that's in the future. Um, the uh, uh, the Dresden Files uh, uh, live action role playing game is 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 uh, well on its way towards uh, towards being produced. Um, I think they call I, I, it, the the new the new role playing game is Dresden Files Accelerated. Um, and I'm trying to think what the what, what the title of it. Fred's going to kill me now because I can't remember the title of the game. Uh, uh, but the, but the Dresden Files LARP is is, is underway as well, uh, which will be really interesting. Um, uh, although again, I think it's one of those games. I'm going to be like the only person in the world who can't play it. Uh, but uh, uh, well, I mean, because when, when you think about it, um, you know, you can't. You, who's, would you really like to be the, the game master for for me in the Dresden Files game? Because I'm a power gaming weasel, and, and I'll, I'll I'll be like, no, it is that way, and I'll, I'll write it that way in the next book if I have to. <laughs> and yet, if I'm the guy who's running the game, it's too much like work. Uh, so I'm like the one guy who can't enjoy the game. But we'll we'll see we'll see how the lark turns out. As long as I can play like like dumb thug number three and just fight somebody with a sword, I'll be fine. If you had a chance to talk to a 16-year-old version of yourself and give yourself one piece of advice before the wisps of time dragged you away again, what would you say? Spend more time with your dad. Yeah, I, I lost my dad when I was uh, 22, and um, uh, I was really, really, uh, I was one of those kids who was super active with everything in, in, in high school. Uh, I mean, I was involved in, in sports and, and theater and debate and choir, uh, and then I was doing other stuff on the side, and 
and basically about six nights a week I had activities that I was at. I was, you know, I was Mr. Enthusiasm on everything. And uh, at this point, I wish I had, I had made time to go to a few more ball games with my dad because uh, I didn't know I was going to lose him when I was 22. Right, here's the, other than that, though, uh, things have turned out so well for me that I don't know that uh, 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 I, I, do, I wouldn't want to jinx it. Uh, I'd probably have to k- take that kind of that kind of Doctor Who stance of nope, nope, I can't alter the course of what's going on here. Maybe 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 I, I can have a conceit the Dresden Files being a fixed point in history. Well, we, nothing can alter the Dresden Files. That's going to happen, you know. <laughs> uh, if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had one book to company, what would it be? Desert Island, one book for company. It would probably have to be, uh, it would probably have to be The Lord of the Rings. Um, but it would need to include, like, The Hobbit and The Silmarillion and the associated works and so on. Uh, I, I would need, like, the giant edition of that. Um, just because at least that would, I would be able to dig into it for a long time. Uh, and that would be, that would be vital on Desert Island. Um, it, it, although, it, it, a close runner-up is probably going to be whichever book is the next book that Sanderson is doing. or Futurama? Uh, Simpsons. Heaven or Hell? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Heaven on, on, on general principles. And finally, Truth or Beauty? Beauty. Uh, are, are you kidding? How can I, 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 I run around constructing very complicated lies for a living. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Truth is, is a harsh, cold thing. The world needs more beauty. Jim Butcher, thank you very much for your time. Embrace the alternative. This is Fab Radio International. Hello, so with all of that Hugo venting, and with that fairly lengthy interview for Easter... We're pretty much out of time already. We're going to mention the Tip 3 Award. Uh, Tip 3 Award's awesome. Um, And never mind this Hugo nonsense, Um, there's been some fantastic stuff. Do, Do you know what? It's it's a progressive um, it's a progressive award. It's named after Alice B. Sheldon, who under the name of James Tiptree. Um, it's about it's about breaking the barrier between men and women, um, essentially. Uh, so so there's that. Shall we? Do we have any more time left? You can talk about it for about thirty seconds. Uh, in which case, I'm just going to say go and check out the website. This is Kim Curran um, has a has a has a has a thing woman out of time she's been nominated for that so it's uh, fantastic stuff you should go and check it all out there's a there's a big honour list there's some uh, we might talk about it later actually we might do a show all about that sort of thing I might I might take a day off and let everyone else get on with it okay so. obviously we've had quite a lot to say today about the Hugos amongst other things uh, so if you'd like to get in touch and talk to us about that and tell you what you think and we have already have had somebody having a comment on Facebook uh, but our social media is uh, the Radio Bookworm we are on Twitter we are on Facebook we are on Tumblr we are on Mixcloud and iTunes if you've missed any part of today's show and want to hear Ed having a potentially at times slightly incoherent rant about things uh, if you just want to complain to our bosses the station social media for Fab Radio International is on on Twitter and Facebook. I listen to FabRadioInternational.com.
So it's goodbye from me, Ed Fortune. And, and you're the only one. It's just me. Just you. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab, Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune. Produced by A.L. Johnson. Johnson.